Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 258. Don't follow the crowd. I mean, especially in the automotive world, it's not about following the crowd, having the same thing everybody else does. No matter what you do, you have to be unique. You have to be imaginative. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Brad Fanshaw. Brad, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. I didn't I didn't bring my helmet, but uh, I'm buckled up and ready to go. <laughs> well, I sure hope you don't need your helmet today. I'll be uh, I'll be smart and wise and try not to hit any walls, okay? Okay. As long <laughs> as I'm not banging my head against the side window, we're good. Okay, I'll do my best. Brad Fanshaw is the president and CEO at Bonneville Worldwide. He's an automotive fabricator, an industrial designer, an entrepreneur, radio host, and TV personality. His companies include Bond Speed Wheels where they sell apparel, watches, and media. He's the winner of numerous design awards, including the Ford Design Award, GM Design Award, and Swiss Watch Design Award. And he was the first to take an aftermarket company public, Boyd's Wheels, in 1995. Brad also helped take Boyd Coddington, Chip Foose, and Jesse James to TV fame. He was the co-host of Car Warriors on Speed. He has a podcast, Shift and Steer, and was a consulting producer on Car Chasers for CNBC. Brad, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career, your business, and your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. I mean, you know, like so many people, I've always been a car. It just kind of seems like one of those things that's in your blood. You you start looking at the automobile and it just sparks something that just sets you in a direction. But it didn't go right in. I wasn't the guy who started building cars or anything like that did it as a hobby and uh, started out in the action sports industry. I was in uh, bicycle motocross and then moved to California and was part of a company called Vision Streetwear. Oh, we owned yeah. Sim snowboards and Vision skateboards and that was huge. But what was cool about it was that we did so many innovative things with media and with marketing. So when, uh, when I departed Vision and uh, bought into Boyd's, I took all of what I learned in the action sports industry and applied it to the automotive aftermarket. Oh, very and, cool. Uh, 
Yeah, you know, and, and it was one of those things where I called Boyd one day to talk to him about a woody wagon, and uh, he called me back, and I was like, why? Well, and Boyd Cunnington's on the phone, you know? Yeah. Never knowing that, like, a year and a half later, we'd be business partners. The week before I uh, kind of went to uh, be his partner and we put the deal together, before that ink was dried, he invited me over to see Cadzilla, which was being put on a transporter to go off to Billy Gibbons. Oh, wow. And when I saw that car, I said, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of promise here. Oh, absolutely. Well, it is so interesting how you pivoted from one industry to the automotive industry and took all those skill sets and that knowledge and, and made it work. And you ended up working not only in automotive world, but also television and media. Yeah, it's, it's another one of those transitions where... I'm always looking to push the envelope and to and to really be innovative, not just uh, I've, I've never been one of those people to be satisfied with, okay, I'm here, I've done this, and I'm just going to keep doing that. I'm always looking for the next opportunity, meaning the opportunity to grow and to learn. I'm kind of an information junkie. So I basically uh, took all these things that we were doing, these visual exciting things that were being done in the hot rod and custom car industry, and said, we've got to take this to a broader audience. And my model was much like what I learned in the surf and skate industry, was that there's a lot of guys who surfed in California and on the coast, but everybody around the world wears the apparel. <laughs> and so yeah. it was that same sort of thing. They're not surfers, they just want to look the part. Yeah. So we took that and kind of took that model and I expanded it within the automotive aftermarket. Well, it's a genius move. I think it's so cool. And you're right. If you think even all the way back to the Beach Boys, most of the world had no idea what surfing was, but they brought that culture to the entire world and everybody wanted to be a surfer. So uh, it's really, really cool. As we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. It's a way to get the inspirational tires turning, I like to say, here on Cars Yeah. So, Brad, take the wheel. Well, I guess if I was to say that, I would go right back to where I was just talking about, is that don't follow the crowd. I mean, especially in the automotive world, it's not about following the crowd, having the same thing everybody else does. No matter what you do, you have to be unique. You have to be imaginative. That is what's helped me, and that's what helped my companies grow over the years, whether it was skateboarding, hot rods, or like today with my Bond Speed wheels, you, you've got to be unique, you've got to be imaginative. And I always say you want to look around the next curve because uh, <laughs> if you're doing that, you're always going to be in the lead. And if your competitors are following you, they're, they're always behind you. I mean, if, if you're ever looking ahead to somebody else, what are they doing, then you're behind. Well, it's a great notion. I had a guest on the show here who did some business with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And he said that Arnold told him one time that, you know, in order to be a success, you've got to break some rules. And he followed up by saying, just don't break the law, of course. But <laughs> I, I think that's uh, true. If you look at somebody like Arnold, he certainly broke rules all over the place. And I love that inspirational quote and that concept because for entrepreneurs, it's so important. Would you share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars you talked about working in the apparel industry, sports industry before, but was there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy? Yeah, but it goes way before those days. It was, um, I was living, uh, as, as a youngster, we moved around a lot. And uh, 
I was living in uh, San Diego. I was surfing, I was skateboarding, I was racing BMX. And uh, this one, I was just a, uh, you know, gosh, probably uh, 10 to 13 years old. And one day my dad came home and he says, hey, we're moving. And we're moving to the Midwest, we're moving to Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, gosh. And let me tell you, culture shock. Yes. I mean, when you move from San Diego to Omaha in February. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Surfing one weekend and uh, snow the next. And, yeah. Uh, but what it did was it opened me up to something that everybody always thinks of, you know, the West Coast as being California car culture and where all the companies are and everything like that. But let me tell you, when you get to the Midwest, it really opened my eyes because all winter, everybody talked about what they're doing with their cars, how they're waiting for those months where you had the good weather. And it really opened my eyes. And it's when I became, you know, a car guy because uh, everybody was around. Everybody had muscle cars and hot rods. And that's where I really met the people that gave me the knowledge to feel comfortable and know that I could really turn wrenches and and uh, be a car guy. You know, that's very cool. I grew up in uh, Southern California, San Diego as well, and I can't imagine that occurring because like you, I was a skateboarder, I was a surfer. Um, I always tease people and say that's back when I had long hair, when I had any (laughs) hair. (laughs) I cannot imagine that happening where you have to move to, yes, a whole new culture and so forth. But I really love the fact that it opened your eyes even more to the car culture because you're right, everyone thinks, oh, Southern California, where trends and things are set. But I have many guests on this show that are from the Midwest. I just had a guest on this morning who builds cars, who lives in Oklahoma, and he lived there his whole life. And he talked, even to, <laughs> you'll like this, he says that he goes surfing as a side hobby. And I said, what? He surfs behind his boat on a oh, surfboard. <laughs> wakeboard surfing, yeah. But on a surfboard. A custom-made, really? sur- yeah, a custom-made surfboard. I think that's pretty darn cool. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to be innovative in the Midwest. Yeah, okay? I think so. But it really, it was one of those things that, that I think, I honestly think, I probably would have been just entrenched in, in action sports, but maybe would have never had that opportunity to become a car guy. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful. Well, Brad, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and you know, you've been involved in so many businesses. You're an entrepreneur, which has a roller coaster ride all the time. I'd love for you to share with the Cars Yeah listeners a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you've faced in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome it and what did you learn from that experience? Well, I mean, if I was to look at one thing, because I have been really fortunate of being in my 20s and helping take a skateboard company from nothing to 120 million in sales oh. in five years. Oh my goodness. Was, you talk about a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um, but more importantly, I think if I was to choose one thing, it'd probably be um, when I took Boyd's Wheels and Hot Rods by Boyd Public, because no one had ever even considered taking a uh, aftermarket company public. It just wasn't in the DNA of what business people, you know, you walk around SEMA, you see all these giant companies and performance vendors and like that, but no one had ever done it. And uh, part of that was because the financial people never looked at, they looked at it more of as a hobby. And we had to not only 
to have the business model and and show the scalability of the company. But we had to convince the uh, the investment bankers that this was way more than a hobby. That took years of uh, structuring the company, building the company, and I say years, but it was five years that uh, from the time I came to Boyd's to the time I took it public. Mm-hmm. And um, wow! But it but it really was huge. It was uh, I had to learn so much and uh, and work with uh, you know all the the attorneys and the investment bankers and the accountants, and then go out and sell this. But at the end of the day, we took Boyd's public and uh, did a successful primary and a secondary offering. And uh, it was hugely successful. And it was, uh, it was, it, we were the first aftermarket company to ever do that. And it was my baby. And uh, it was, uh, it, it was a fantastic thing. And wow. um, that, that was great. Well, it sounds incredible, and I would assume it opened some doors and some eyes of other people in the industry. I've been to 25 SEMA shows now, so I'm real familiar (laughs) with that market. And uh, yeah, it must have opened some eyes from other companies going, wait a minute, what are you guys doing over there? Did you get a lot of questions from people, people calling going, what what are you doing? How did you do this? Well, well, yeah, because uh, shortly after we went, uh, Edelbrock went uh, public, Mm -hmm. and uh, and it, you know, there was definitely a lot of sharing of information and questions and things like that. And, and uh, I can't say that it's a commonplace now because it is a very, very complex business situation. But mm-hmm. uh, and it's not right for everyone. Yeah. But uh, it really, it was really rewarding. It was really cool to be able to to do that and to grow our company and um, you know be the first ones to do it. Yeah. Well, kudos to you. That's fantastic. Thanks. Let's shift gears here, Brad, and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share one of those aha moments in your career. I like to say it's when the headlights came on and illuminated your way for a new idea or a direction that you had. You talked about that that one just before here with taking Boyd Coddington's company public, but is there mm-hmm. another specific situation where it just you just went, aha, here's an idea, and share that with us if you would? Well, you know, uh, you mentioned my watch company, mm-hmm. and uh, whenever I mention that I own a watch company, people kind of look at me with these, <laughs> yeah. you know, blank stare, like, you know, oh, okay, you know, so what do you do? You put your logo on some watches, bring them in from, you know, Asia or whatever. And, yeah. But mine is truly a, a Swiss watch company. I own numerous, um, you know, patents for watch cases, watch design, uh, the way the watches are built. And it's one of those things, when you look at the watches of the world. Men, men wear watches. That's their jewelry. Mm-hmm. But it's also how I always explain it to people because they'll say, "Okay, wait a minute. You went from you know owning Boyd's, selling out of Boyd's, and then getting into the watch industry." Um, well, first of all, I was one of the largest shareholders along with Boyd of that company. So when you leave and it's a public company, you got to sign a non-compete. Yep. And uh, so I couldn't just start up another wheel company or hot rod shop or anything like that. And my other passion was watches. And it's because, why do we like those? And why are they associated with racing and like that? Is because just like a car, it's the aesthetics and the mechanical yeah. aspect of a watch. Yep. It's those two things that drive men and anyone to a watch. Mm-hmm. Just like they do a car. You look at a Ferrari or a hot rod and you say, God, that's a great looking car. You get closer and you start looking under the hood and you start looking at how it's built. A watch is no different. But the aha moment was when I actually started taking trips to Switzerland to see this vision through, 
And I walked into the factory that I had contracted over there, and um, I realized, okay, we're going to be able to do some great things because the machinery that we used in that factory over there is identical to what we used at the Boyd's Wheel Factory, just smaller. Okay. And so I was able to teach them how to use different machine tools, how to use different techniques that they'd never even dreamt of. Wow. And it helped us do things that got us patents because uh, we taught them a thing or two. And when you think of the watch industry being hundreds and hundreds of years old, they said I was the first American to walk in that really they wanted to talk to because most came in and said, hey, put my logo and make my watch look like this guy. Sure. And we came in with original designs, original thoughts, and true innovation. So that was that was pretty cool. It's very cool. And as a result, you were uh, awarded with the Swiss Watch Design Award, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very neat. We were voted one of the 10 best watches in the world one year. And I mean, that's that's a lot. Uh, yeah. That is amazing. There are a lot of watches out there. So, And a lot of companies, as you said, have been around for hundreds of years. So, boy, mm-hmm. again, congratulations on that move. That's fantastic. And you're still producing watches today? Yes, yes. We, awesome. we do what we call a boutique line. It's very, very limited production, and uh, we sell them, and then we don't make that model anymore. And, and one, of the, one of the things along with that aha moment was I didn't even know this, um, but after I got started, my parents informed me that uh, my great-great-grandmother was from the Breitling family, and I said, I didn't even realize. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, well, there was some so DNA it, there. <laughs> yeah, it was in the genes somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't it cool when you <laughs> find things like this out? <laughs> Very neat. Uh, it was. It was pretty cool. How about proudest moments in your career? I'm sounds like obviously you've had many, but is there one in particular you would share with us that really stands out for you? Oh gosh, the proudest moment, you know, like I said earlier, was uh, probably taking Boyd's public, you know, and uh, but but when you go beyond that, it was I'd always been you know, kind of teamed up with an industry dynamo, meaning that, you know, at the skateboard company, I came in after it was already started and and helped grow that company. Mm-hmm. Boyd already had built Cadzilla, had already developed his wheels. I just kind of put the marketing behind it to grow it and, mm-hmm. and my business, uh, you know, ingenuity. So I guess the one that I can really look back on is when I stepped out, left Boyd and actually started my own company, which won its own awards and had its own innovation and its own, I could, you know, it was kind of mine. It was all mine. Right. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And if you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Well, I'll tell you what, I actually still own it. And uh, that's almost by mistake because I tried (laughs) to sell it many times, but uh, it never went through, and now today I'm very happy because it's a uh, 1967 Chevelle SS396. Ooh, nice. And uh, I'm the second owner of it, and uh, the, the greatest memory was that uh, now I had my paper route, I was dreaming of my first car, and uh, my dad came home one day, and he, he said, hey, uh, a friend of mine selling a car. It's over in Iowa. You want to drive over and look at it with me next week? <laughs> of and, course. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, when you're 15, you're like, you know, anything, you know? It's yeah. like, yeah, what, what? But then he said the magic words. I said, well, what is it? He goes, he goes, it's a Chevelle. And I was like, oh, my gosh, a Chevelle. And he wow. goes, it's a, uh, an SS something. Well, as soon as I heard SS, oh I was God. like, 
Yeah, I'm sold. Let's I'm sold. go now, Dad. Yeah, so we drove over to Grinnell, Iowa, and I went with my dad, jumped out, and the car was sitting there with snow tires on it, and it's original blue paint, and it was bone stock, you know? I mean, I jumped out, and I, I knew it was mine right away. You know, I had a dent in the side, but I didn't care. And yeah. It was a 396 car, but at the time, I was a little disappointed because it had a bench seat and a power glide, <laughs> and... Uh, who orders a super sport without bucket seats? Yeah. And, you know, and a four speed. Yeah. But now today, it's a very rare car because I talked to the owner and I said, why did you order with a bench seat? You know, because he's the guy who bought it. He yeah. goes, well, the reason I ordered an SS is to get the biggest motor because we towed our, uh, they had like one of these little uh, travel trailers. Okay. And he just wanted the big motor and the two speed power glide gave him the, uh, the long range between shifts to tow the trailer. So now it's like a super rare car because it's got a high horsepower motor, factory bench seat, and a power glide. Well, know? nothing wrong with taking your girlfriend to a drive-in with a bench seat either. So That's true. That's <laughs> true. But I ripped that thing out when I got home. And <laughs> I kind of figured. Some, grabbed my buddy's uh, seats out of his wrecked uh, GTO and made it a bucket seat car. <laughs> there you go. Sounds fantastic. I love that. Is there a vehicle that you've let go? You talked about that one, trying to sell it, and luckily it didn't go away. But is there one you've let go in your life that you really wish you could have back? I'm pretty much of a pack rat. I, I, <laughs> I have my you. first car, my second car. Oh, my gosh. I, but there are some. And, and probably the ones that, that I think about are in the 90s, I built cars personally for uh, Ford and uh, Jaguar and, and like that for SEMA cars. And uh, okay. there's one that, you know, I, I, I did this fantastic Thunderbird that became the Celine Bond Speed Thunderbird wow. and won the Ford Design Award. And, uh, and and that would be a great car to still have, but it's long gone. I sold it at Barrett-Jackson. And the other one is probably, I had a great relationship with Ford and they came out with the new F-150 body style. They came to me and they said, hey, we want something to put on our turntable at SEMA. What could you do if we gave you one of these trucks and you could do anything? Yeah. And um, so I went home and started thinking about it. And, and I came back to them and I said, well, you know, you're also launching the new GT. And they're like, yeah, yeah, well, we're not giving you one of those. You know? <laughs> and I, said, I said, well, darn. Yeah. Um, but, um, but all of a sudden I got a crate with a Roush-prepared GT motor. Nice. And, um, and we tore that truck apart. And in 45 days, we did uh, a new clay nose, pulled a one-off mold. We touched every panel on that truck except for the roof. We even made new side view mirrors. We massaged everything. We cut the back uh, frame, made it four-wheel independent suspension. We oh, adapted wow. a Tremec six-speed under it. And uh, a buddy of mine who is just a wizard with um, wiring and actually used to work for General Motors doing their show cars. He made the uh, computer talk to the truck, and uh, we uh, took that to SEMA with a 45-day build, and uh, it ran, and it had a GT motor and a six-speed and a beautiful Recaro leather interior and bomb-speed oh, wow. wheels. And it was awesome. And, and I sold that truck at Barrett-Jackson, and... Uh, to this day, I see the guy who bought it, and he'll come up to me, and I will run into him in the most obscure places, and he always comes up to me and he says, that is the best truck in the world. Every time I take it to a cruise night, every time I take it here or drive it, you know, because it's got everything. Yeah. It, it's, it's a dream truck. It's awesome. What year was that that you took that truck to SEMA? I 
guess that would have been 2004, I believe. Four, okay. I think, yeah, I think we uh, got about the 11 truck years over ago. the summer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, cool. The truck just screamed with that GT motor. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Is there a vehicle that you purchased that shortly thereafter you said, what was I thinking? That's a hard one. I can't really think of anything that that I did other than, you know, back in the uh, 80s, I had I uh, had just dreamt of a Grand National Buick, you know, like everybody. When those came out, they were just the coolest car and the only real performance car in that era, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't afford it. I walked into the dealership and I was like, wow, that thing is so expensive. There's no way I could sat in it in the dealership. Or anything. And I went down to the Chevy dealership and bought a, a Monte Carlo SS. Had the looks, but it didn't have the horsepower in it. Right. And... A week later, my neighbor down the street comes driving up with that Grand National. And, oh, uh, oh, and I was like, it. oh, man, where, you know, now just rubbing salt in the wound. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, I would see that thing. He didn't have it six months, and he put a for sale sign on. I said, oh. what, what, what are you doing? And he goes, wow, with that combination of that moon roof and the black paint. And th- at the time, I lived in Arizona. He says, it's just miserable. It's an oven, said, yeah. I said, I'll take it, you know, and so <laughs> I bought it on the spot because he had taken the mark down off the lot, you yeah. know, I mean, oh, yeah. I, got, I got a great deal on it. Perfect. But uh, why I say what was I thinking was I had bought my wife a Z28. I had a brand new Monte Carlo SS, and trust me, I wasn't making the kind of money to have three brand new cars, yeah. so, but it was one of those where you shuffle and you do this and you do that, and, uh, and you make it work because uh, there was like a dream car at the time, and... Now it sits on a lift in my garage. Oh, there you go. Cool. You are a pack rat. You keep everything. I don't get rid of them. Is there a project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? You know what? Anything I'm working on gets me excited and fired up because, like I said earlier, I'm an innovator. I want to push the envelope. And right now I'm doing a 69 Camaro. And what's funny is that out of all the cars I've owned over the years, this is my first 69 Camaro. It's one I've always wanted, but for some reason I never got one. You yeah. know, uh-huh. so I found one that was a uh, project car that a guy had stripped to bare metal, taken it all apart, and then it was just sitting. Yeah. The good thing about it was I could see that it was just a cherry car because it was just, you know, absolutely virgin metal. Mm-hmm. And uh, the bad thing is, is it came in, you know, I think, you know, how many hundred boxes? Boxes, but, uh, yeah. Is everything there? <laughs> oh, man, you know, and uh, so I... Um, I loaded it in my car trailer, drove it home. And what I'm going to try and do with that car, and what has me excited is that I've got my pro touring car. I've got my, you know, my Baldwin motion car. I'm going to try and meld two worlds here. Some of the late model technology of tubular A-arms and things like curry rear ends and EFI and things like that with a car that looks like it was roaming the streets as a street machine in the late 70s, early 80s. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, give it the look and the flavor of a, you know, a street racer, street machine. Yeah. But with the technology and the reliability, you could dr- jump in it and drive the thing. Very cool. Can't wait to see that. Yeah. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Brad. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? And this isn't the kind of car you wish you were. It's who are you and why? Wow. That's a, that's a tough one, but it uh, <laughs> might be a toss-up between two cars. You know, you could always say an El Camino because it's business in front and it's a party out back, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guest of mine that gave me the idea for this question was an artist named Harold Cleworth. 
very eccentric yeah. artist. Yeah, yeah, painter. And his answer was not unlike yours, only a little more crazy. I think the front was a British Austin Healy and the back was a Cadillac 59 Bia Ritz. <laughs> yeah, now, now that's a little crazier, like you said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'd either be that or a gremlin because, man, oh, gosh. gremlins always pop up, right? No matter what you do, business, cars, whatever you do, there's a gremlin. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, nice answer. See, that's why I like to ask that. Thank you again, Harold, for bringing out the funny part in everybody's lives. I think that's great. Yeah, for sure. So, Brad, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, we're going to say thank you to a Cars Yeah sponsor. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize the road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Brad, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some really quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Sure. Let's go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, that one's easy. It would have been from my uh, my friend and business partner, Boyd Coddington, who would hammer into my head and anyone else's head that if you're going to start building a hot rod or any car, Get the best one you can because you're going to spend so much more money repairing than you would buying something good to start with. Uh, yes, I hear that from many people, and we all miss Boyd and a uh, very wise, successful man. So great advice. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? Gosh, it's probably that I'm, as I said earlier, an information junkie. I like to look beyond the car world and really try and delve into other areas and get inspiration and get tidbits that you can extract from other industries or other hobbies and kind of cultivate those and bring them back in. Because whether it's designing a car or designing a sculpture or whatever it is, or applying it to business, you, you always have to be looking. If you stay within the confines of your own group and your own circle you're never going to get new information. You're going to regurgitate that same stuff. Huh. And uh, and that's probably my workaholic in me because I'm <laughs> always looking and always – I mean, I'll be watching TV and I'll hear something. I'll grab my computer and look it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, great advice. Fantastic advice. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with the Car Show listeners you're really fond of? You know what? Yeah, there's, there's a, um, a, a very – I've given this to a lot of my car builder friends – and uh, every single one of them that I've told about it calls me back and goes, I didn't know that existed. Thank you so much. Oh, cool. And uh, there's a catalog out there, and it's, uh, it's called Aircraft Spruce. It's a company in Long Beach, and what it is is it's part for um, aircraft. But when you're trying to find a unique part, a unique bolt or a fastener 
or something that you just don't find in the automotive world, it's in there. Wow. And if you're trying to be unique and add some little twist or some little taste, that aircraft spruce catalog has the coolest stuff. Oh, I love that. That is a great resource I've not heard here on Cars Yeah. Uh, we'll make sure we have that on your show notes page. Is there a book that you've read recently that you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy? Well, here I can be kind of, gives me a chance to be self-fulfilling here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> great, good. Um, uh, there's a book that uh, a couple of years back I uh, wrote the foreword for. And, oh, cool. Uh, it's called Sensory Overload. It's a book about the street machine nationals and uh, how that became, you know, before the good guys and before NSAA and all that, you know, the street machine national became this giant once a year event because I was one of the guys who built cars and brought cars there. The guy writing the book asked me to write the forward for it, which was a real nice honor. And yeah. uh, it's a really cool look at the culture of street machines. All right, listeners. Well, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Brad Fanshaw. All right, Brad, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage. Yeah, I said one. Sorry about that. But don't <laughs> worry about the cost because today I'll buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be and why? You know what? That's that's a tough one because there's so many fantastic cars in yeah. the world. I mean, you look at the, you know, when you look across, and, and a guy like me who, you know, I'm sure you spoke with some people who, they're a diehard Chevy guy, and they only like Chevelles, or they only like Camaros, or there's the Porsche collector or the Ferrari collector. Unfortunately, I've got the bug so bad, I like everything. <laughs> and, uh, well, know, then we'll, we'll approach it this way because, you know, uh, you know, every day a guy like you, you're like me, our taste changed a little bit. We have our favorites, but if it was, if you had to choose today, well, you know what? I think I know what it is. Oh, I cool! Think, uh, <laughs> the the car that that I would say, if I could only have one, as you said, and money was no object, I would probably purchase Cadzilla. Cadzilla, all right, Boyd's car. Yeah, because that was the car that, as I said earlier, I walked in and Boyd invited me to see it before it was shipped, and I just was in awe and. I can go around around the world. I can go around through cultures. You know, I can be up in Beverly Hills hanging out with like Bruce Meyer and Bruce Canapa, and and they drool over Cadzilla. You go to a custom car event, and they drool over Cadzilla. And you go to a lead sled event. You go to a street machine event, and it's timeless in its design. It has never aged. There's some cars that were great hot rods at a time, but you look at them and they've kind of aged. Cadzilla is timeless. Yeah, it really is, and. Both those Bruces have been guests here on Cars Yeah. They both, of course, have excellent taste, so uh, you're, you've joined a great crowd there. But uh, great choice by a great man, and your history with him, of course, adds to the selection there. So I think that's fantastic. Brad, you've taken me on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories. And I, I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in Cadzilla? <laughs> Boy, I wish. One um, <laughs> uh, parting word of advice, I think, is that, uh, you know, remember if you're in a room of car guys or car people, that you always have something in common. It doesn't matter likes, dislikes, economic skills, whatever. If, if there's uh, car people in the room, you're always going to have something in common and something to talk about. You're always going to get along. You know, I just had Alex Finnegan 
on the show from Paul Russell and Company. And he said something very similar. He said, you know, they restore cars for billionaires. They restore the best of the best. But he said, you know what? When car people get together, they're just all a bunch of the same kind of folks. It doesn't matter what social economic status they're in or where they came from or what multi-billion dollar company they run or small company they run. It's always the same. It's just car people getting together, enjoying the hobby. So I'm glad to hear you say that as well. I think it's fantastic. And, and, and you hit it on the head, too, because, you know, I've been consulting for you know companies like Barrett-Jackson, Bombardier Aircraft, and it's always goes back to motorsports and, uh, you know, with my consulting work. And that is what we find out that when someone who's a CEO or a billionaire or whatever it is, when they come to that automotive event, that is relaxation for them. And they want to hang out with the guys who do it for a living because their dream is that, wow, if I could do it, I'd be doing that for a living. (laughs) I know. know? Isn't it amazing? Yep. It's absolutely true. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your companies? Well, uh, you can find out about me at bradfanshaw.com. Of course, my wheel company at bondspeedwheels.com. I'd also like to tell them that uh, Shift and Steer is uh, on my podcast, which is on iTunes. Absolutely. Great. Well, fantastic. Well, listeners, again, you can find all these links on carsyad.com slash Brad Fanshaw. His last name is spelled F-A-N-S-H-A-W. Just put Brad in the search box. His show notes page will pop up with links to all of his companies, his podcasts. I'd encourage you to go listen to his podcast. It's great. You'll have a lot of fun there. Brad, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. I appreciate being on. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.